Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Melissa Rivers and welcome to Group Text. Stay tuned for a new episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Group Text. Um, You know, I always say Sabrina and I are excited for our guests because generally we are. But today we're welcoming someone that we adore, who we are both such fans of, that my mother was such a big fan of for, it scares me, how long we've all been doing this. Please welcome the one, the only, Vanessa Williams. Hi, Vanessa! Hey, ladies. How are you? First of all, how do you look this good at this hour? Lashes and lips and throw on the hair pieces. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) And a ring light, of course. Well, I've got three. So there you go. (laughs) You know, we have so, you have so much going on. I have so much I want to talk to you about. And I know that Sabrina wants to talk to you about. Okay, first off, your new movie. Bad hair. OMG. I mean, I love you. I don't do horror movies, and I did this for you. Good. I I can never look at another weave the same. (laughs) It is hilarious. It is. How how much fun was it making it? It, it, Eight, it's not your normal genre, shall we say. And also, you were working with some of the biggest names in the business, right now with Laverne Cox, uh, Jay Farrow, Issa, uh, not yeah, not Issa Rae, Lena nope. Waite. Like, mm-hmm. so how did this come to be? So the writer director, uh, Justin Simeon, uh, reached out to me and said, I'd like to describe and explain what I want. And he said, there are this Japanese genre of hair killing films. That's wait, so this is, wait, wait, hold on. So this is a genre this is genre. In Japan. Okay. Yeah. Like of hair killing films started in, in Japan. And he said, I want to do it, but I want to do it with black hair. And he described the whole idea of having this weave be possessed and strangle start killing people. And I love the idea. And then he said, um, and also your role um, is pivotal because obviously everyone assumes that you're going to be the villain, but I want to make sure that people know that there is a whole backstory and uh and i loved of course playing the boss in a world that i grew up in we're 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 talking 1989 and like justin i had an album that was out in 88 i know all these people that were part of the video scene vh1 bet mtv so i know that whole world and i was an artist uh in that world so uh, it spoke to me, and he's also a brilliant young, he did Dear White People, he's provocative, and he graduated from the film school that my daughter, my youngest daughter right now, Sasha, is going to to Dodge School of Film at Chapman University. So I was like, okay, this shows that my my money is going well <laughs> to whatever degree she's going to get. <laughs> exactly. 
it, what's interesting though is for all the fun it is, it actually has an, a fairly important message. Yeah, I mean, you know, we see hair as um, an accessory, as identity, um, but the ancestry of of where you come from, where the hair comes from, what could be infused in all of that ancestry uh, is really deep. And that's what I loved uh, about Justin's approach, that it was um, way more than just a, a, a thriller um, or, or gore and, and blood and guts in terms of a genre. And I think he really did a great job. And we, we have these conversations about hair all the time. Yeah. And uh, good hair days, bad hair days, are completely judged by what they wear. But nowadays, the, the greatest thing is that there are so many options. You can go into uh, a job and have braids and twists and natural hair and curly hair and straight hair and weavy hair. Um, and uh, we've come a long way that we don't have to conform. Oh, right. it, I will definitely say, oh, how the tides have changed. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Everything well, has turned. Recently, you know, they, they, they passed the Crown Act, which was not to be discriminated in the workplace because of the texture of your hair, which is a really important. One of my daughters who uh, worked at uh, one of a very, very elite London brand, uh, and she was uh, on the sales floor, and one day she came in, and her hair was in a ponytail, but it was wavy because she didn't blow it out. And uh, they told her she looked too ethnic and they wanted her to blow out her hair every time she was on the floor. Which is and, ridiculous. I mean, we, yeah. we, you know, it's, but it it's happens. It, it happens. does happen. I've, I've, I've had it happen to me and you, you feel some kind of way like, okay, so does that devalue my worth, you know, based on your perception of me or what you want it to be, you know? Well, but then Sabrina, do you do you remember, I start to laugh, when you would change up your hair every so often, my mother always said what a lucky man Curtis was because every couple weeks he got a whole new woman. <laughs> never complained, never complained. Exactly. Um, honestly, I can't believe that you've been on in the sort of cultural zygus since 1984. Right. Well, 83 is when I won in September of 83, yeah. And you were the first black woman to ever win Miss America, which mm -hmm. we all, all remember. Um, what I didn't realize was you were a baby 20. when you won. 20 years old. And I look at my kids and I'm like, how did I deal with this? Right, and how you were going to Syracuse. I was, yeah, I was a junior, uh, started my junior year at Syracuse. I was supposed to do my London year abroad, which I was really happy to, you know, get excited to do. And, uh... And obviously the, the tides changed and, and, and things, things changed. But, um, you know, what I had to face at, at 20 um, in, a, in a global sense, um, I guess naive, naivete is a good thing. You know, what you don't know right. uh, will hurt you because, you know, the death threats, the, the hate mail, all that stuff, I was aware of some of it, but I was really sheltered for the, from the bulk of it. Um, so I didn't feel like my life was really in danger when it actually was. And I'm, I wasn't stupid. I, when I see a sharpshooter on the roof of, you know, a, a building where I'm doing a, a parade and I'm in an open car, okay, that, uh, that gives me a sense of, hmm, there might be some danger here. 
But I, I think I was too young uh, or just too optimistic to think that I would ever get hurt. But it was crazy. You look, look back. I mean, it's so funny to look back at all of our careers, but I'm sure at the time you never thought that it was going to be your springboard for, you know, again, my eyes rolled my eyes rolled back in my head when I actually looked up everything about mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. So let's just go through this really quickly. And then we're going to get to some specifics, uh, golden globe nominations, Emmy nominations, Tony nominations, Grammy no nominations. Mm -hmm. Crazy. <laughs> Did you ever realize you were going to become like the superstar? Well, not that, but a mult, what I was like now is a multi-hyphenate. Well, you know, I grew up loving, back in the old days, people that could do it all. You know, Sammy Davis Jr. Right. was on Broadway, could tap, could sing. You know, uh, that whole era was expected to kind of sing, dance, act, and, and do it all. You know, they started from vaudeville and then, you know, then then did films and Frank Sinatra, a crooner, made, made albums, but also did you know, um, film. So that's what I hope for. Um, Streisand, a perfect example of Broadway films, uh, recording. So I wanted to, but, um, you know, when it actually happens, and of course when it happens, you're so into it that now when I look back, I say, ah, I, I, can, I can appreciate the career. I can appreciate the highlights. I can appreciate singing uh you know at the oscars uh, having the song that i that i sang win an oscar and being right. acknowledged you know uh having my my song be number one for six weeks beating out eric clapton and then clapton wins in the grammys and acknowledges me saying if it only wasn't for for me you know he would have been right. number one but thank you and love you you know those are the things that i, I never thought you know i'm sitting this is paul mccartney right here i'm right next to him like, right. you grow up with the Beatles, you're like, wait a minute, I, I'm standing next to Paul McCartney, you know, in a, in a photo. Those are the things that I look back and I'm surrounded by presidents. And I've met seven of seven presidents in my lifetime. Which is, which is crazy. It's, yeah. it's yeah. amazing. So tell me, what is your first love, singing or acting? Or, yeah. It's tough. I mean, because I would have to say... Broadway or musical theater is my first love because I get a chance to play a character, dance, sing, and and do scene work. So it kind of ticks off every box in front of a live audience. So I'd have to definitely say musical theater. Speaking of theater, you are a founding mem uh, member along with Audra McDonald, who is, is a superstar. Six-time Tony winner. Yeah, which is, and and her first, she burst on the scene literally out of Juilliard, mm -hmm. which is in, in Masterclass, which was a major role. You are uh, founding her along with Broadway. Uh, Black, Black Theater United. Black Theater United. Do you see, I mean, I see such a difference in the diversity of people, uh, in pe how people are being cast on Broadway. Yes. That's I mean, it's not, it's right. It's not just you. It's not just Audra. It's mm -hmm. not just these, you know, it's not just Denzel. It's not these superstar above the title. We're really mm -hmm. seeing so much more diversity. And I'm a huge theater person across casts. How, and I love that you're supporting that. 
How much have you seen change? Well, um, so Black Theater United was created after George Floyd. I mean, everyone was home, everyone was isolated. We all witnessed this brutal murder. And uh, we were stunned and paralyzed, and then it was time for action. And Audra called, she said, listen, I've got LaShawns, I've got some other people that we, we need to do something. So Brian Stokes Mitchell and Norm Lewis and Capathia uh, uh, Jenkins, um, LaShawns, um, all of us kind of banded together, Felicia Rashad, and tried to figure out what we could do as a group. So we started Black Theater United, which is a 501c3, it's a nonprofit. It's also a political, uh, we have a political wing as well. And it's not just making change as a cast, seeing more people on stage. It's the process of being cast, the process of not having producers, directors, lighting designers, scenic designers, uh, people in management, uh, people in staff at all of these producing um, uh, platforms, but also um, the theaters that are all uh, considered Lord theaters, the reg regional theaters around, around the country. So we wanna see actionable items that make changes within staffing, within the community. How much money, if you're in, uh, you have a community, uh, a community theater, how much money are you giving back to the community? Do you have a mentorship program? Uh, do you have some, uh, a reference where if someone says, ah, I don't know where to find a black uh, sound designer. Well, you know what? We have a whole list. So we don't want to hear that excuse anymore. So yes, it's great that, that uh, more black shows are being cast and being presented and put up. Uh, but we want to see more black representatives throughout the entire mm -hmm. theater industry, not just ushers and who's on stage. So that, that's been fantastic. We've hosted town halls. We've, uh, one of our first was Cheryl and Eiffel, who's from the NAACP uh, Legal Defense Fund and just talked about, um, about the law and how you need to change the law by voting and showing up um, and, and making yourself known as a citizen. Then we talked to um, Stacey Abrams and, and Janine uh, McLean, Abrams McLean, who's her sister, about fair fight and fair count and try to activate um, people that are our fans, but also the world about making your, your voice count, making sure you're, you are counted in terms of the census, because that's the only way that we can make systematic changes. If you're not happy with the school, then go show up at the, 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 the local uh, superintendent board meetings that you can, even if nothing happens, they'll see one black face in the audience like, hmm, okay, noted. So you have to take action. And I think that's the, the upside of 2020. We've all been isolated. We've all had a lot of time to soak up information and and, and we all, I think, are, are activated at this point and we're making change. Definitely. And, um, you know, I, I just happened to rewatch Hamilton last night on Disney and it, it really struck me how seamlessly the entire cast worked because it was the people who were cast were the ones that were right for the role regardless. Right. And I think that is such something that we have to be more aware of. It's, I mean, it, you see it happening in television and more in movies, but I love the fact that it's finally getting to the theater community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, in a big way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. now, Absolutely. Something so, else that... Go ahead, Sabrina. So we hear that you're returning to London's West End 
um, to open the City of Angels in 2021. Fingers crossed. Yes. That's so exciting. I got the email from the producer last week. I actually have right off where right I finished you guys. I have a, a zoom with the cast and, and oh. Josie work, who is our uh, director to just see who's going to be available because, you know, time marches on and people have commitments. Um, but also to see what, uh, you know, what the possibility is. We have no idea what's going to happen with the world. Obviously we were all, you know, completely stunned when March came and everything shut down. Uh, Praying that the resurgence this fall doesn't really take a toll uh, worldwide like it, it had um, when it first started, you know, nine months ago. But um, that would be lovely. I've never, never, Broadway, uh, uh, the West End has always been a dream. And You've never uh, been on the West End? Never. I find that so hard to believe. Me too, me too. I do, I do, but this is exciting and hopefully we can you know, just move past, you know, this season right now where everything has come to a standstill. But I mean, you continue, you know, even during the COVID period, you and opera legend Renee Fleming recently reopened the Kennedy Center after six month COVID hiatus with a socially distanced concert that received great reviews, Washington Post, all that. Do you plan to do more shows? Uh, yes, I have uh, another show that I'm doing in December uh, for Broadway theaters uh, or that th they're going to stream stream it live. Um, but, you know, that that Renee concert came out of Zoom calls. It was first Zoom cocktails and catching up with <laughs> a friend. Uh, we, we've got we're kind of a, a trio. We've got a mutual friend that the, the two of us know have known for years. And uh, we started saying, you know, it would be great to do something together. Then the next meeting would be like, oh, what do you want to do? And then we go through what, what happened in our lives and what songs would be applicable. And okay, then who's going to be the musical director? Then who can we get for a venue? Who's open? And a lot of people obviously were terrified to, we just didn't know what to do. Like, okay, you can have the stage, but what about the crew? How are we going to... How are we going to make sure everyone's safe? Is it against the law to do this? So um, Kennedy Center actually came through, uh, which was wonderful. I just sang there last year. Of course, Renee lives in D.C. And, and has a great relationship. And they said, we will do it, but we are going to do it uh, under the Cleveland Clinic um, regimen. So we got tested. I had, I had to drive down the day before. I got tested twice. Then every morning, swab test all the way through the week of rehearsal and up until that Saturday night that we had the, the live show that streamed and it's still on air. Um, you can go to the Kennedy Center and it's still gonna be living uh, on, their, on their site till the end of the year. But um, our, our, our musicians, we had six because they had to be socially distanced. Everybody was wearing a mask. Um, they had 40 people on stage, all in, in pairs that were socially distanced. And even coming, approaching the stage from the wings, we had to wear masks. And what they did is they built the stage over the orchestra section of the audience. And the backdrop was these red, beautiful red velvet seats. And the audience actually who was listening to us was on the, the stage, the backstage. And that's how we played to the empty stage. Oh, wow. So basically, okay, two questions. One is, oh my God, how as a singer to get to perform with Renee Fleming. I mean, even though you're friends, that has to be something to watch in person. 
Well, the funny thing about Renee is she, yes, she's a diva. She's a soprano. She's sung all over the world. She's brilliant. And she's so insecure. She, she would, um, when she was about to do Carousel, her first Broadway musical, she's like, how do you do eight shows a week? I mean, what do you do? How do you warm up? How do you keep it? And she was literally like asking me so many questions because she'd never done it before. So she's dipping into a, uh, you know, a, a genre that, I, that she's never done that I've done you know, a, a zillion times. So that was wonderful. And also the pop music. You know, I'd, I'd sing a song. She's like, God, how do, you, how do you get your mix to sound like that? Your approach to this. So she's learning and breaking my singing down. And I'm looking at her, watching her in awe, doing these beautiful arias in the show. So yeah, we're still going, holy shit, it's Renee Fleming. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, now that you, and I hadn't thought of this till you mentioned that the audience was standing behind you. You got to have a lot of confidence that your ass looks good. Singing oh. with your back to an audience. Oh no! I, I meant I meant the, the the seats were behind me, but the audience was on the stage. Oh okay, because okay. I'm like, oh my god. Well, let's talk about aging and like uh, 57, and your body just keeps changing. And like I, I'm like, what is this? What? 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 I mean, every and it's that's one of the things that um, you know, it's that do I age gracefully or do I go out with a fight? And I, you know, it's, it's a daily thing. Can yeah. we pick up, can we pick a medium ground there to find? Cause I'm telling you this aging thing, it's like a, a blessing and a curse. Cause you don't want to curse. Kicking, you don't want to be kicking up daisies. So you're like, okay, well, do I need to get an injection here? Do I, you know what I'm saying? It's just, you want to maintain. That was the one thing that Joan always said, maintain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know. and, Diane, and Diane Carroll once said, uh, she played my, my mother, in a, a movie for a lifetime called uh, The Courage to Love, and Stacy Keach was my father. And uh, it was about uh, the, the quadroon balls back in, in the 1800s where the, the mixed um, black uh, people would be kind of offered at these balls, and they would have these uh, they, as mistresses for these right. wealthy French and, 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 uh, and Spanish men. And uh, so I remember her looking at Stacy and said, ah, oh, he's had the right work done by the right people. Hmm, that mm. part. I'm doing mm-hmm. my homework. I promise there you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> As my mom used to say, her body was dropping so fast, her gynecologist had to wear a hard hat. <laughs> um, now, again, because you don't do enough, you now have a children's book. <laughs> what prompted uh, your children's book. It's number one on, the, on Amazon right now. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Uh, so, uh, so Bubble Kisses, oh, I have to go get it. I'm sorry. Of course, please do. Please do. Yes, here it is. It's right, okay. it's, it's right here. So Bubble Kisses is my oh. children's book. And it comes with a, um, a CD. If anyone has a CD player, the CD's right there. But you can also get it online. And um, it came from a, a song that I was given probably 25 years ago or so. And uh, I sat on the song, I said, oh, when I do a children's album, this'll be it, I can't wait, I can't wait. And I was, uh, my youngest daughter, Sasha, her freshman year at Chapman, I was in parent orientation and one of the picnics. And one of the other mothers came up to me and said, listen, if you ever wanna write a book, I I would love to work with you. And I said, you know what, I have an idea. And uh, she was from New York. I met her, um, you know, on, on Sixth Avenue at her office. 
And I said, listen, I've had this song in my brain for years and I want to do a children's book. Sent her the music, she loved it. And then that's how we kind of worked it out. And we have a beautiful illustrator, uh, Tara Nicole Whitaker. And just the, 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 the illustrations are gorgeous. It's completely right on point because it's about a little, a black girl. She has an Afro puff that she's wearing and her she's got a pet named Sal, a goldfish. And when she goes to sleep, she turns into a mermaid and has these wonderful dreams. So the mermaids are all different shades of colors of their skin and different hair textures. And it's a wonderful way to have a children's book with a song that is, if you're tired of Baby Shark, this is a better song. <laughs> I, I know it is. <laughs> and uh, it's just a, a beautiful book and I'm happy and I hopefully have plans to, to have it extend and, and work it further. Has anyone ever accused you of being an overachiever? <laughs> um, well, see, you know, that, that's a, a, a quick story, but it, it, it comes from when I was in third grade and on the school bus coming home and uh, this brother and sister called me the N-word. And I came home and I said to my mom, what does this mean? And she said, well, that means uh, that it's the color of your skin that they're pointing out and you're going to have to do better than everyone else just to be considered equal. And that was kind of my light, that the hard knock life lesson, they're like, oh, I get it. So I was in Girl Scouts, marching band, orchestra, concert band, concert choir, regular choir, you know, dance every day, musical theater, choreographed. I loved what I was doing, but it was also to make sure that I had a presence and making sure that uh, I wanted to show that I was worthy to be in the room. And that's kind of kind of what I've grown up with both parents as educators. I was going to say, you, you grew up in a, high, in, a, in a family that where academics was a big deal. Yes. Achievement. Oh, yes. what have you accomplished? Oh, nice job. What up? What's the next thing? Oh, very nice. It was never, oh, my beautiful, sweet princess. It was like, oh, look at that girl. She's really done a lot. Hmm. Why don't you think about listening to what she's done? Ask her that question. And so you know what? It's so mom, funny. I could see, I could hear Miss Helen saying that going, hmm. <laughs> Should I be impressed? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are all victims and successes due to a lot of our mother's interesting um, parenting techniques. But speaking of being a parent, you have four grown children. How has pande the pandemic life treating you? <laughs> now, did anyone come home? Were you all together? What? Sasha just left. So Sasha just left for the airport. She was home for 10 days and I hadn't seen her since January. Wow. So uh, I love just spending time uh, with her. We actually all got together. My son came in for a week. Hadn't seen him since December. And um, Melanie, my oldest, is living with me and doing her Pilates classes from the gym because right now gyms are... So I mean, close. a lot of people aren't even going back to the gyms and she used to teach class and they don't even have classes anymore. Mm -hmm. and, and Jillian, uh, my middle is in the city and, and, you know, she's a singer and she's doing virtual concerts. And I think she just got a gig in Austin that she's going to be doing next, next drive-in event where she performs and everyone in the car. So uh, I've missed my, my two tremendously. Um, and my mother lives next door, so I see her every day, which is always good. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's very, very active. She walks probably three to four miles a day. She's got her date, which is her boyfriend who's 84. She's 80. 
Uh, she complains all the time, but she's happy to have somebody to, to, to be with for sure. What have you done to, what, what, what have you done to survive COVID? What have you personally leaned on? Well, I got sick when I came back from London, I was sick. So I got oh, sick. Oh, wow. Yep. And at that point, let's see, Monday, they shut us down March 16th. That Friday, I flew back on one of the last flights because people were like- From New York. Uh, from, from London to from New York. From London, yes. Yeah, because people were like, they're shutting down the country, get home. Um, and I only thought it was going to be a couple weeks, then I'd be back. And then it all fell apart. And, and I started getting sick. Uh, and one of our cast members, we found out, was sick. And then it kind of went slowly through our cast, people not feeling well. So I got whatever the London version was, which was aches dry cough, loss of, of smell and taste, um, just wicked, wicked headache, uh, and body aches like the back of my neck, little like digestive issues, um, and just extreme like I slept and slept and slept. So little chest pressure uh, and like a sinus for three days, I can barely breathe out of my sinuses. These were all swollen, but luckily I've recovered. And, um, you know, I don't really, the only lasting effect is I, I feel a little bit of a, it's not a wheeze, but when I inhale, I can hear like the, 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 whatever that is, the, the, in the intake. Um, so stayed distance from everybody when I first got in and then I've just been creative. You know, I've had my, a, a bunch of pads next to me on my desk and I've been Zooming with people and talking about ideas and projects and who being interested and breaking down scenes and all that kind of stuff. So that's been great. And then just cleaning up the house and sorting through stuff. And, you know, my kids have so much stuff that they've had through the years and just cleaning their rooms and going through a bunch of stuff and being a little shocked at times. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's so funny. Melissa and I saw Sasha at the Donna Summers play. Mm-hmm. And I looked up and I said, did your mother know you're wearing those heels? She was like, I'm cute, huh? And <laughs> she just looked so beautiful. I mean, your baby is grown up. I mean, Funny. we go through all this all the time with Cooper. They are not babies anymore. Yeah, but know. he was a baby the other day when he called me for skincare products. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, I'm out of lid, I'm out of soap. I need moisturizer. My skin's really dry. Can you send it to me? I'm like, really? But of course I, I, I did it. I, you know, I did say he could go to CVS and I'm like, you know, I don't know what you always get it for me. So there always are babies. Exactly. Dare I even ask what's next? Well, um, you know, besides West End and, uh, you know, a, a plethora of, of stuff that I want to produce, I mean, that, that, the great thing is that everybody's home and watching all these streaming things. So everyone's buying stuff like crazy. But again, it's finding the right partnership. So that's, you know, my, I get very impatient. So like, okay, it's a no, let's move on. Okay, who else is excited? And uh, so I got to learn how to be patient, which is, I think, the biggest thing that uh, I've learned from COVID is to not be uh, attacked or addicted to being busy. It's, it's doing what you want to do uh, and then finding kind of meaningfulness in what you do and being okay with like the quiet, like sitting by the fire and having no TV on. I mean, that was a big thing after a couple of months, just turning off the news because you get 
what's happening who's who's dead who's who's saying what to what i mean it, it was it got crazy there sure yeah, i, I sure. had to go on a news hiatus i had to like just i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't it's overload daily <laughs> overload yeah yeah well, mm-hmm. Vanessa, it is always such a pleasure talking to you. The movie Bad Hair, streaming Everyone on Hulu. Yeah, streaming on Hulu starting October twenty third. The children's book, uh, uh, Bubble, Bubble Kisses. Bubble the yes, I wanted to say Bubble Toes. Bubble <laughs> Kisses, number one in children's books on Amazon. Great holiday gift for the little people in your life. It is always such a pleasure. <laughs>